Hello everyone, thank you very much for joining us in today's show. We are going to look back at the Dutch Grand Prix 2021. It was won by Max Verstappen of course with Lewis Hamilton coming second and Valtteri Bottas coming third. We'll chat about yesterday's qualifying session, of course we'll look at a few of the incidents from the race, uh, not least the very interesting pit strategy that both Mercedes and Red Bull tried to battle each other with during the race. We will also look at some of the interesting incidents from the race, uh, speak about the finishing positions and of course the championship standings after all of that. And at the very end, a little bit on the silly season, the rumours, who's going where. All will be revealed, not in this show, but at least we'll chat about it. The Winning Formula Podcast. So this is the race reaction for the Dutch Grand Prix 2021. And you know what? I thought it was a very good race. It was, uh, it was certainly on the interesting side. We didn't get tons of on-track action. There was a little bit of on-track action and there was a very, very intriguing uh, pit strategy between Red Bull and Mercedes, as always. When, whenever they are racing each other, the strategy becomes very important because they are so close to each other on track. Let's kick off things then with the, uh, with the quality session. Qualifying, okay, so firstly, Max Verstappen did qualify on pole position, as you can see. Those of you watching on YouTube, you will see uh, we have the grid, starting grid on the screen. Um, those of you listening in our podcast, I'll do my best to uh, try and describe everything that's going on here. So Verstappen, of course, qualified on pole position. But unfortunately for him, we had both of the Mercedes then second and third. So Hamilton was in second and Bottas was in third place. Where was Sergio Perez? Oh, no sign of Sergio Perez, unfortunately. So Perez uh, had disappeared off the scene. Um, so he was all the way back in, uh, let's see, where was Perez? 16th place is where he was starting. He had a very poor qualifying session. He went out in Q1. Uh, yeah, of course, there were a few mitigating circumstances. It didn't work out for them. They should have sent him out a little bit sooner. But, you know, the, these are the conditions that um, everybody is up against. Uh, Vettel also found himself caught out. He finished in 17th place, or at least he was starting the race in 17th place. So this is very poor from, from Perez. Not only was he not there to support his teammate then in the battle with Mercedes and in the Constructors' Championship, but this was also the home Grand Prix for Max Verstappen. And as you can imagine, very, very important for Max. A lot of pressure on him. A lot of pressure on him to get this win. The Dutch Grand Prix is only in place because of Max Verstappen. Uh, I think you go back to 1985, potentially, uh, before you get the last Dutch Grand Prix that took place. So quite a gap of time. Of course, we were supposed to have the Dutch Grand Prix last year, but it got cancelled due to COVID, um, like many other races, like many other races. So, yeah, you have to start thinking about uh, Perez then. This is, this is super ironic, in my opinion. So the timing of this comes just after the, the uh, Belgian Grand Prix. So, Prior to the Belgian Grand Prix, and we, we've done a separate podcast and video on this, you can find it on YouTube and on your podcast store. Um, prior to the Belgian Grand Prix, Red Bull announced that they have signed Sergio Perez for the 2022 season. So they've, they've continued his contract. 
in my conversation on this, yeah, I made the argument that, look, it makes a lot of sense to keep uh, your same driver to have a little bit of continuity. Red Bull don't seem to give the second driver much of a chance these days. Uh, so this is a little bit of a change from the normal. And, you know, having that continuity going into the 2022 car, especially with the new regulations and the background development that's happening, that could certainly stand to them. However, in saying that, um, Gasly does have the experience of uh, driving a Honda engine car, and we can see he's been doing quite well in that car. Um, so it still, it still confuses me slightly as to why they did do that. Now, Red Bull being Red Bull, of course, no driver is guaranteed for an entire season, even if they are signed up for 2022. It doesn't mean Perez is getting past race three or four of the season if he's really not performing. And, you know, typical Red Bull fashion, he could even not last to the end of the season. Um, so it's definitely not a given, but 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 it's contractually what they've signed up for. Uh, and that's where we are. So as I was saying, yeah, it's, it's ironic. Um, Perez wasn't able even to get to the starting grade last weekend at the uh, at the Belgian Grand Prix after he had that accident on his way to the grid. Now, admittedly, it was very wet, but as I keep saying, these are the conditions that everybody has to go up against. The same for qualifying. Then on Saturday for the Dutch Grand Prix, he was not able to get out of Q1. He was not able to support his team. He's been not able to support his teammate. So it's really not good enough from, uh, from Sergio Perez. But we'll talk a little bit about Perez uh, in a while. We also had a very strong qualifying session from Pierre Gasly and Antonio Giovinazzi. Um, once again, I would say the optics of this are very interesting. So no sooner have Red Bull announced that they're signing Perez for next season than Gasly comes out with this qualifying uh, performance. And to be honest, the Alfa Tori really has no place in the top five, uh, the top 10, well, probably yes, in the top 10, but Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, Red Bull, Alfa Tori, are they really in that mix? So to qualify in fourth place is such a fantastic and, and yet it was a, a consistent qualifying performance from Gasly because he has been qualifying very well all season and he has been doing very well all season finishing in the points for many of the races. Um, Giovinazzi as well. So Kimi Raikkonen is out the door. Giovinazzi... I don't know, is he staying or not? Well, he's been told he has X amount of races to save his career in Formula 1 or within the, uh, 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 not Alfa Tori, house, do this Alfa Romeo, uh, within the Alfa Romeo team. He qualified in seventh and he was very strong in many of the uh, practice sessions as well. So he looked very good. There was big disappointment then for Lando Norris. Of course, Lando Norris was only able to manage 13th place in qualifying and he was out qualified by his teammate. Uh, and this time it was legitimate. It wasn't like Belgium last weekend where Norris had that big accident in Q3 and actually couldn't qualify the car um, above 10th place. Uh, of course, he did take penalties and everything else associated with that crash uh, for the replacement of engine parts. Then we have Hamilton. Uh, he just didn't seem to have the speed of Max Verstappen, so he had to settle for second place. He did beat his teammate, but us looked quite fast through uh, the practice session so it was there or thereabouts between Bottas and uh, and Hamilton but uh, yeah he was able to do that so that was good news for Hamilton uh, what was interesting though of course uh, and maybe I can bring up the uh, the times here if I have them 
Oh, I don't have them. What a, what a surprise. So, but, but looking at the gaps, um, and you're talking about one hundredths of a second between Hamilton and Verstappen. But Verstappen actually had a DRS failure on his uh, on his fastest lap, which was interesting. So potentially we're talking about, uh, I'm not sure exactly how much DRS is worth, but I, I would imagine it's anywhere up to three tenths of a second. So that could have been, that could have been a much bigger gap that he had. Anyway, ifs and buts, uh, it, it it doesn't overly matter. Uh, Max Verstappen did get pole position and he started on pole position today. So that brings us straight up to the race itself. Uh, and speaking of the race, so very good start for Max Verstappen. Um, it was all about, you know, getting a good start and then really you were thinking that this race is going to come down to the pit strategy. Uh, and I, I would have to agree with that, I guess. I would have to agree with that. Yes, it was all about the pit strategy because the Dutch Grand Prix, the circuit, it's very tight. It's very winding. Uh, it goes from left to right, lots of sweeping corners. Not a lot of really great overtaking opportunities, even with DRS enabled on the start finish straight, not as convincing as let's say Portimao where it was like a slam dunk with the DRS and it was actually, uh, I thought it made the racing a little bit boring in that regard. So yes, I didn't think there were going to be a lot of overtaking opportunities today during the race. I was worried that the race was going to be a procession, was going to be quite boring. In the end, okay, look, there there wasn't an awful lot of on-track action or on-track overtaking. There were some, of course, there were some, um, not counting overtaking of backmarkers. Um, and, and that was fine and that was good, but it was really the pit strategy. This was the most intriguing part. And boy, you could not call this pit strategy. Let me tell you that much. Um, so we had the predictions from Pirelli just prior to the race itself. And Pirelli were saying they thought the quickest strategy would be if you started on the soft tires, which uh, the majority of the top 10, I think everybody in the top 10 was starting on the soft tire because of course they set their fastest time on the soft tire in Q2. So they were starting uh, on the soft tire, then they were predicting anywhere between lap 25 and lap 30 that you would make the switch to the hard tire and that would be it, one stopper to the end of the race. Alternatively, if you were starting on the medium tire, you could go a little bit further into the race and we did actually see this because Lando Norris did this, he started on uh, the yellow medium tire. Um, they were predicting between lap 27 and 32 to make the stop and actually as it turned out for Lando Norris he pitted on lap 35 if I remember correctly so quite close to that and then the alternative was starting on the red soft tire then around lap 18 to lap 24 pitting then for medium tires going all the way through to 45 to 55 somewhere in that uh, in that region of laps 72 lap race of course and then pitting again for the soft tires to finish the race so I had mentally set myself up for this, I would say, and actually what transpired was uh, actually something completely different altogether. So in the end, what we got was um, Mercedes decided they needed to try something to get past Red Bull. And you can't blame them for that. They really were up against it. Lewis Hamilton wasn't able to get not too much closer than two seconds to Max Verstappen, at least initially in the, in the first stint. So it was Hamilton who pitted first in uh, the pit stop battle with Red Bull. 
they obviously tried everything to get the undercut um, on Red Bull. It just didn't work out for them. He pitted first. He put on the medium tires. Uh, Max Verstappen responded and did the exact same thing, putting on the yellow medium tires as well. Uh, Hamilton was on the radio almost immediately complaining, oh, these tires aren't going to last. This is the wrong strategy. This won't get us to the end of the race. Uh, I'm already starting to feel the wear. He did set the fastest lap uh, immediately after saying that on one occasion as well. So th this is the usual fun and games that Lewis Hamilton gets up to. But Mercedes were thinking very hard about this. What can they do to try and get past, uh, to get past Verstappen? So they actually made an impromptu second pit stop very, very quickly after that. And they switched Hamilton onto, well, they didn't switch, but they, they kept him on another pair of, um, pair, <laughs> another set of uh, medium tires. Red Bull, what were Red Bull going to do? Well, Red Bull responded immediately on the next lap. They called in Max Verstappen. And this is where things got very, very interesting because Lewis Hamilton did have one set of medium tires left. Max Verstappen didn't. Max Verstappen only had a set of hard tires. So Max had to switch onto the hard tires uh, to cover off what Hamilton was doing. And this is immediately where I was starting to think, okay, so Hamilton has has a set of mediums uh, that will hopefully get him to the end of the race but you would expect the degradation will probably kick in towards the end of the race however max is on the hard tires which should be slower potentially theoretically uh, than the medium tires that hamilton has just put on but they should last a lot longer into the race and so he should be dealing with a much better situation with his tires towards the end of the race so in my mind, there was actually a scenario where Hamilton maybe would have more speed on the medium tires, overtake Verstappen, and then Verstappen would overtake Hamilton towards the end of the race. Now, it wasn't as exciting as that as it turns out. Hamilton did get mighty close to Verstappen. Uh, I think he did just about break the barrier of the DRS at one point, courtesy of some back markers. But then he started to fall away again and he just couldn't do it. And Hamilton, of course, being Hamilton, was back on the team radio saying the strategy was stupid. The tires aren't going to last. We got a close up shot of the tires at one stage and the front left really did look very blistered on the inside. So it was amazing. Um, uh, in the end, Hamilton did uh, did bolt on a set of soft tires at the very, very end of the race. That was, of course, to get the fastest lap um, after Bottas had tried to steal that from him accidentally, of course. Um, okay, so that those were the pit stops. Now, towards the end of the race, um, Valtteri Bottas did pit and his tires, um, well, he... He had a gap in the traffic, so he wasn't going to be overtaken from behind, and he was uh, he was absolutely no threat to Lewis Hamilton ahead of him. So he took the tires. He was going for the well. He wasn't going for the fastest lap of the race, as it turns out. Uh, Mercedes told him not to go for the fastest lap. They said it was for precautionary reasons that they pitted him. So obviously there was some kind of niggling worry there about the tires. That that was interesting. I found that interesting. I have to say. Bottas tried his best not to set the fastest lap, or uh, so he would have you believe. Um, he set the fastest sector one, the fastest sector two. They got on the radio, they told him, slow down, slow down for the third sector. You do not want to take the fastest lap away from Lewis Hamilton. Bottas did take the fastest lap from Lewis Hamilton. Even though he slowed down noticeably, he still got the fastest lap. 
this for me was a very interesting message that came true from Valtteri Bottas to the Mercedes team. You know, either he genuinely did make a mistake and just with the light fuel load and the fresh new soft tires, he, he just couldn't help but go that fast. Or Valtteri knows he's out the door at the end of the season and he doesn't really care for this anymore. He doesn't really care. This was his opportunity to score an additional point for himself. He has a battle in the championship as well. He's up against Lando Norris. He's trying to get third place back in the championship. I'm sure that's how, how he was looking at it to an extent as well. And he had already moved over earlier in the race to let Lewis Hamilton past him. Now, admittedly, they were on completely different uh, pit strategies. But, uh, you know, it, it can't be all one-way traffic. Well, it, it kind of is, though, at Mercedes. That's uh, That's a small bit of the problem that he's having. Um, now, before I look at the results, oh, sorry, I should actually finish off that story. Um, I'm sure any of you that were watching the race saw this as well. Hamilton then had to pit on, I think it was like the second last lap uh, for fresh rubber himself. He, of course, was in no danger. He wasn't catching Verstappen and um, Bottas was way, way behind. So no problem whatsoever. He pitted and he did snatch back the fastest lap from Bottas. But of course, I think uh, the way Mercedes will look at this, he shouldn't have had to do that. Um, yeah, and that's it. So fastest lap goes to Hamilton and he does get that one extra point, which could be critical when you look at how tight the championship is. Uh, bef before we start looking at the results from the race, I will say that there was one interesting um, overtaking move during the race where it was Lando Norris versus Sergio Perez. Uh, so Perez tried to take Norris to the outside. It seemed to work. Then Norris had more speed into the corner. Obviously, he had the inside line. He got his car, let's say, halfway ahead of Perez and he closed the door. He essentially tried to push Perez off the track. He didn't leave a car's width. There was uh, contact between both of the cars and there was some minor damage to Sergio Perez's car as a result of that. Now, Perez did manage to get the move done and he did manage to get past because I think uh, Norris actually managed to scrub off a little bit of speed in the overall incident itself. Uh, there was no penalty handed to Norris for this. And it, it really does make you wonder, obviously, um, a slightly different setup with the race stewards and everything at different circuits each weekend. But if that was the British Grand Prix and you're to apply the same rule from the British Grand Prix, then theoretically Norris probably should have had a penalty because he didn't leave a car's width. Uh, but yeah, once again, I don't know. I don't know. But there, there certainly is a lack of consistency from weekend to weekend. Uh, as to how the rules are applied. Um, it actually could have been absolutely critical for Norris because he did end up in the points in the end, uh, just about. And if he hadn't ended up in the points, it would have been his teammate who would have gotten that one solitary point in the end. All right, let's look at the results from the race. First up, we have, of course, Max Verstappen, who won the race. Next, we have Lewis Hamilton, who came in in second place, as we know, and Valtteri Bottas came in in third place. You can see uh, on the screen at the moment, uh, for those of you watching this on YouTube, so you can see that um, there was a gap of 20.9 seconds between Verstappen and Hamilton. That actually isn't representative of the real gap was that was there. That was just because Hamilton uh, pitted for the soft tires at the very end of the race. In fourth place, we had Pierre Gasly. Fifth place, we had Charlotte Leclerc. 
in sixth place was Alonso. Alonso did uh, very well to get past Carlos Sainz, who was in seventh place just towards the end of the race. Next up then in eighth place, we had Sergio Perez. Uh, we had Ocon in ninth, and then rounding out the points, we had uh, Lando Norris in 10th place. And in 11th, agonizingly, in 11th was Daniel Ricciardo. And it just didn't work out for Daniel Ricciardo today. I, you know, I thought this was the race. He obviously was qualified ahead of his teammate. Um, and he had the soft hard tire combination, whereas Norris had the soft, or sorry, the medium hard tire combination for the race because he started outside of the top 10 and he had a free choice on the tire he wanted to start with. He ran long into the race until lap 35 before he made his pit stop. Just didn't work out for Ricardo though. Uh, Norris overtook him on the track and that was that. So this must be, well, it must be a double blow for Ricardo uh, being beaten by his teammate. Yes, that that's really bad for him, but also the fact that um, he didn't get any points. He didn't get any points. It was Norris in 10th place who got one point and Ricardo in 11th with zero points. Then rounding out the rest of the race, we had Stroll in 12th place, Vettel in 13th, Giovinazzi ended up in 14th place, Kubica back in uh, Formula 1, replacing Kimi Raikkonen for this weekend was in 15th, Latifi was in 16th, Russell 17th, and Mick Schumacher was in 18th place. Sonoda and Mazepin had issues with their cars and were retired from the race during the race. So they didn't, uh, they didn't classify in the end. All right, so um, what do I need to call out here, or who do I need to call out here? Definitely uh, Gasly. Gasly was fantastic. He was not troubled at all today by uh, the Ferraris. He wasn't in the mix with uh, with the Mercedes cars either. However, he had a very, very solid race. He had a very solid weekend, qualified well in Ford, finished well in Ford. Very impressive. You couldn't actually ask for much more from him. Um, given uh, given that uh, the Red Bull and both of the Mercedes were in the race and racing to full capacity. Uh, he did finish ahead of Perez as well, if you want to look at it that way. So that was very good from Gasly. Alonso, as I mentioned, he did get past signs in the end of the race and that gave him a critical sixth place. And the reason I say this is critical because I think this actually puts Alonso ahead of Ocon in uh, the driver standings even though Ocon did win the Hungarian Grand Prix so amazingly consistent from Alonso that he gets himself in the points now for a lot of races in a row and he's able to uh, to build a championship uh, well I won't say a championship lead but a, a championship standing that puts him within the top 10 uh, and pushes his teammate out uh, we've mentioned Ricardo, also Kubica coming in at very short notice. I think he did quite well. He finished in 15th, so obviously he finished ahead of both of the Williams cars. He finished in front of the Haas as well of Mick Schumacher. Um, and you know, just one place behind his teammate. Now there was quite a gap between him and his teammate, but that was a good performance from Kubica. And afterwards, actually, he was interviewed and he said that um, it was so good to race in a real Formula One car and it's the first time he's raced in a real Formula One car since his accident because Williams wasn't a real Formula One car or at least it wasn't up to the speed that it should have been and that that was interesting uh, clearly no love lost there with uh, with the Williams team so interesting words from Kubica okay let's have a look at the championship standings following that race before we do that 
I do need to mention, obviously, Max Verstappen won the race. Uh, Sergio Perez was voted driver of the day. Hmm. I don't know about this one. Uh, he, he did have a good race, obviously, making his way through the field. A lot of overtakes. Uh, but, you know, can you give him driver of the day for the fact that he qualified so badly yesterday? He shouldn't have been down there. He shouldn't have had to do all that. He should have been in the mix with the Mercedes and with his teammate trying to, to work on it from there. He should have been ahead of Pierre Gasly. No, no, but uh, he was voted driver of the day and that's fair enough. Uh, and I guess he kept up the excitement levels for the race. He did overtake a lot of cars. He did have a very good race uh, considering the context of where he started from. However, in my opinion, he shouldn't have been there. So I, I can't personally, I can't give him driver of the day for that. For me, the driver of the day is either Max Verstappen or Pierre Gasly. Both of those guys were brilliant. Uh, they drove a bulletproof race. They weren't bothered by anybody around them. They kept their heads down, kept their heads cool and um, got the result they deserved. Uh, you know, Max Verstappen had a lot of pressure on his shoulders, given that it was his home race as well, and he was peerless. It was brilliant. Um, so, yeah, it's it's for me, it's really a tie between those two guys. Uh, I suppose, considering that uh, Max Verstappen was the home racer, you'd have to give it to him. But Pierre Gasly fended off both of the Ferraris, and, and quite easily as well, he didn't have to worry about those guys. Uh, yeah, would love to hear what uh, what some of you think about that. If you're watching this on YouTube, maybe write into the comments who you think your driver of the day was. And by all means, if you think it was Perez, put Perez into uh, into your comment as well. Uh, look, I'm just making it clear. I don't think Perez should have been where he started, uh, and so it's it's a bit insincere to uh, give him um, driver of the day. It just uh, just two and two don't make four on this occasion all right so sorry about that now back to the championship standings and the championship standings are as always very very interesting and very tight we have such a tight season now looking here at the top 10 you can see that it's all move here Perez is the only driver that hasn't changed position within the top 10 following the Dutch Grand Prix. So Max Verstappen now is on 224.5 points. He moves to the top of the championship and he has a three point lead over Lewis Hamilton. So they've, they've completely switched around roles from last week where Lewis Hamilton had a three point lead over Max Verstappen. So Hamilton obviously is in second, Bottas has moved up into third place and Norris then drops down into fourth place. Perez remains static in fifth place. He's still quite close to Norris on the, on the points table, but he's falling a little bit behind Bottas. So he needs to get working on that. He needs some good results coming up soon. Leclerc is up into sixth place. He overtakes his teammate. Sainz didn't have the best race ever today, uh, potentially suffering from uh, an issue in the car due to the heavy impact he had uh, qualifying on Saturday. Then in um, eighth place, Pierre Gasly moves up. In ninth place, we have Ricardo who drops down. He drops down to ninth place. And Alonso then moves up into 10th place in the championship, dislodging his teammate Esteban Ocon from 10th place. So consistency being the key for Alonso. He didn't win the Hungarian Grand Prix, but he has been more consistent than his teammate. Uh, and he has really grown into this season. 
So, fair play, Alonso. We're not there yet, though. We're not there. There's still plenty of races to go, so that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And then, as we move on, if we look at the constructor standings. So, the constructor standings, as always, uh, almost as interesting, I would say, as the driver standings. Mercedes are still on top of the championship, but only just. So, of course, the big benefit that Mercedes have here is that they had both of their drivers performing well. Second and third place, as you can see, they picked up 34 points at the Dutch Grand Prix. Whereas, by comparison, Red Bull, even though they won the race, only picked up 29 points. So that's the big difference there. And it means that Mercedes now are on top of the championship with 345 points. Red Bull with 333 points. Uh, Ferrari then in third place on 182, McLaren in fourth place with 170 points, Alpine a very distant fifth place with 90 points, AlphaTauri 84 points, uh, definitely helped by the good result from Pierre Gasly, Aston Martin have 53 points, Williams have 20 points, Alfa Romeo with 3 points and Haas once again the only team that have no points so far. I feel a little bit bad for Haas in that regard. Uh, great, okay, and that brings us then to rumors on drives for 2022, and there are a lot of rumors out there at the moment. So let's start with the worst kept. Let's start with the worst kept secret in Formula One. George Russell to Mercedes for 2022. Is it happening? Is it not happening? We don't have a clue. I would suggest that the way uh, Valtteri Bottas almost accidentally stole uh, the fastest lap off Lewis Hamilton today does suggest that he's potentially leaving uh, the uh, the Mercedes team, uh, but uh, it hasn't been confirmed yet. Of course, we saw Christian Horner and Daniel Ricciardo that video doing the rounds on YouTube where they congratulate him for his uh, his his move, <laughs> his uh, transfer to Mercedes. Um, it hasn't been confirmed yet. I suspect that it will be George Russell with Lewis Hamilton and that is interesting because Russell is fast. He is fast in qualifying. Is he going to give a bit of a headache to Lewis Hamilton? Well, first we need to find out if he actually is joining the uh, Mercedes team next season. Uh, then, speaking of Mercedes, of course, what will happen with Valtteri Bottas? It looks most likely, actually, uh, that he will be going to the Alfa Romeo team to replace Kimi Raikkonen, so a fin for a fin. Um, I'm not sure how this works out in terms of relationship. Does he remain a Mercedes driver because of that, or does he completely split from Mercedes? Um, there were not great rumors, I, I would say. They were not very plausible, but there were rumors going around at one stage last week that Mercedes would be supplying engines to the Alfa Romeo team next year. Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense because obviously Alfa Romeo is a big tie-in with Ferrari, so they wouldn't even be called Alfa Romeo if that was uh, a fact. But once again, we don't know and it remains to be seen and we will uh, wait with bated breath to see how that one uh, figures itself out. I would have thought that Bottas was going back to Williams, but that doesn't appear to be the case at all. And as we know, Raikkonen is out. Speaking of Williams, then, there is the whole interesting tie-in with the Mercedes team. And will they take a junior Mercedes driver next year? 
uh, a lot of rumors around Nick DeVries who recently won the Formula E World Championship uh, that Nick DeVries would be joining the Williams team. I think that would be a very good move. It would be great to see DeVries in Formula 1. He seems like a very good and fast driver. Winning Formula E, winning Formula 2. Uh, I think yeah, he's kind of ticked a few boxes there for what you would need to be a plausible non... Uh, non... what would you call it? A non... Um, non-paying driver although in a sense he would be paying because he'd be backed by mercedes but aren't they all paying drivers when you look at it in that way does latifi stay or not i guess uh, maybe not maybe not there is also talks about um albon joining the williams team so in my mind this makes sense if there are two open seats next season if there's only one open seat then it is a case of albon versus de Vries and you start to understand a little bit more why there are all these rumors about Total Wolf uh, trying to veto the Alex Albon move to Williams because of course it would take away a seat from uh, one of the Mercedes drivers. Yeah, all interesting. Let me see if there's anything else then on the driver front. I don't have anything else written down on my notes. Let me have a very quick look at the teams over here to see if I can think of anything. So Mercedes, we don't need to talk about them. Red Bull have confirmed both of their drivers for next season. Ferrari have confirmed both of their drivers for next season, as have McLaren, as have Alpine. Alfa Tori haven't confirmed yet. Uh, we know that Pierre Gasly is staying there next season. We don't know what's happening with Sonoda. I guess he will stay. Uh, we do have Lawson, though, in Formula 2, who looks very interesting. Uh, actually, we have Vips as well, so we have a, a couple of um, Red Bull funded drivers that could make them move up into Alpha Tori. Uh, for Aston Martin, yeah, it seems like it's Vettel and Stroll for next season. Williams, as we discussed, we don't really know who's joining. Alfa Romeo, yeah, that's the other big unknown. Will Giovinazzi stay or not? We don't know. There could be two open seats there. One of those most likely going to Valtteri Bottas. And then for Haas, they haven't confirmed yet, but I would expect that uh, Mazepin isn't going anywhere considering the funding that comes uh, from his father. And uh, I think it would be harsh if uh, Mick Schumacher was moved on from the team um, he will probably stay, but Mick Schumacher could end up in one of the Alfa Romeo seats, assuming that the Ferrari tie-in remains. And that's where we're at. So we'll, uh, we'll watch this space, no doubt. There will be updates and rumors as the weeks go on as well. And um, this will probably all be locked down come the end of September for the majority of teams, I would guess. That's usually the time frame for this. But that's where we're at at the moment. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we will be back, of course, with a race reaction for the Italian Grand Prix from Monza. Until then, though, as I said, thank you for joining us.